Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, as you're turning there, just want to take a moment just to, um, 2019 is going to be a year of transition for us. And one of those transitions that we're going to be facing is that Pastor Matt, who's been with us since the foundation of CWC, uh, over 18 years, has been part of my life for even longer than that. Uh, he was in Master's Commission with me for a couple years, and he was part of my Paragon team as we prepared to plant the church. Um, I've been with Pastor Matt for a lot of years together, knew him even when he was a child, and he's felt, him and the family have felt that it's time for him to begin to explore new things, to finish his education, to start a new business, and to continue on uh, a new route and plan for his life. And so it's very difficult that we announce that on January 6th will be Pastor Matt's last Sunday with us. And uh, such a great communicator, such a great lover of God, such a great friend. Uh, He's my right hand. It's like losing my right hand, my right arm. And uh, you're going to be missed, my friend. And... It's hard for them to stay here at this church because then everyone's going to be coming to them, asking them for things and uh, looking for for help and all that. And so he's going to be transitioning on. Uh, So that's hard. That's hard. It's one thing to lose him, but to lose him from the church as well is a very difficult, very difficult thing. And so I know when you guys see Pastor Anthony, you're going to think it's Pastor Matt because these guys, uh, people are always confusing the two of these guys. But... uh, you and the family are going to be greatly missed, Pastor Matt. We love you. Uh, January 6th, we are going to have a going away service for Pastor Matt. We're going to have a service that we're going to celebrate him. We're going to have him sit in a chair, and we're going to do thank you for giving to the Lord. Um, he doesn't like that kind of stuff. So, uh, But we're just going to honor them on that day. So him and the family, not just him, but his wife, who's been such a huge part of the ministry, been serving in the nursery for the past 18 years, uh, his sons as well, uh, man, we love you guys, we love you, and so you're going to hear from him next Sunday, Pastor Matt's going to be preaching next Sunday, come on out, support him, amen, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we've been speaking on tis the season, everyone say tis the season, I, I love Christmas, there's so much about it I love, whether it's the gifts, whether it's the lights, the decorating, all that stuff, I just love this season, it says, Ecclesiastes 3 says this, For everything there is a season. Everyone say season. A time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, We shared this last week that seasons are a part of life. We all have them. Uh, You have a season in your life, a season of infancy, a season of uh, childhood, a season of teenager, a season of adulthood. We go through seasons in our lives. You go through seasons relationally, seasons as a single adult, as a married couple, and then as a parent, then as a grandparent. There are seasons that we go through. See, this season, same tree, different season. 
You saw this last week for those of you that were here. Same tree. Looks different, but it's the same tree, just a different season. Same road, different season. It, it look, it's the same going to the same place. It's just a different season of life. There are, don't freak out when you have the same life, but it looks different because of the season that you're in. Because every one of us will go through seasons in life and the season that you've gone through will prepare you for the season you're going to. Say it again, Pastor. The season that you've come from is preparing you for the season you're going to. And so I need you to understand. Thank you, TJ. I appreciate that. The thing I need you to understand this morning is this, is that if you are not ready for the season to get out of the season of singleness, you're not ready for a season of marriage. We got too many people that say they want to get married, but they're too committed to their single life. They want the benefits of singleness, but they want to get married. You're not ready for that. You got selfish people that aren't ready for a season of children. But you have a kid, but you're out not ready for the season and that responsibility. Seasons are important. Same relationship. Different seasons. You see, in all our lives, we go through different seasons. See, same man, different season. Brother Dave, you know who that guy is? Handsome devil there, huh? He was a devil at one time, too. Serving life sentence in prison under the three strike law was going to spend his final days in prison. Wasn't going to get out, had no opportunity to get out. Then by the grace of God, if you were a nonviolent offender, they changed the three strike law. And this man had the, a second chance at life. Went through the men's home. I came out of the men's home transformed. Brand new life, became a brand new man. God did a new thing in his life. And now he's not serving life, he's giving life. Come on, somebody. Don't judge the season that you're in right now because you might feel like you're in a life sentence, but God is about to bring a new season into your life today. Come on, somebody say amen. Now, let, let me take you somewhere. This morning, I went, last week, I talked to you about the season of yes. Mary said yes to the angel and gave her what she thought was an interruption, literally became an invitation to transform the world. I want you to know when God shows up in your life and it seems like an interruption, it's actually an invitation to do something great. Mary went through a season of yes. Everyone say yes. yes. I want to take you now into a season of rest. You got a season of yes and a season of rest. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 19, says this. That this is a story of Joseph now. We talked about Mary last week. Here's, she's getting ready to enter a season of marriage. She's about to marry this man by the name of Joseph. And then God shows up and says, hey, you want to birth the Savior of the world? And she says yes. And by saying yes... She doesn't realize it, but it's going to affect her marriage to this guy that she was supposed to marry. That she could end up being killed by saying, for saying yes, finding herself with child before she gets married. 
In those days, that, that you could have been killed for that. Now, now, her husband, the guy that she's engaged to, this is his story. This is where we pick it up in verse 19. Her fiancé, Joseph, was a righteous man, full of integrity. He didn't want, want to disgrace her. In other words, he didn't go on Facebook, man, girl got pregnant on me. <laughs> didn't change his Facebook status to complicated. <laughs> didn't go on Twitter and say, look at this girl's stomach. I don't know who she's been with. Didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't go on Instagram and start putting her on blast. Joseph was a man of integrity, and so when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. He, he had honor, something that we're missing today. And while he was still debating within himself as to what to do, he what? He what? Like some of you are doing right now in church. He what? <laughs> fell asleep, all right? He fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, he has what? A supernatural dream. God shows up in his dream. I need you. I'm going to take you somewhere this morning. You see, how many of you have ever gone through a crisis in your life that's been so bad that you have a finance, you have a bill you can't pay, you got a relationship issue, you're worried about your kids, you're worried about a situation in your family, and you can't sleep? Or am I the only one? I have a window that if I don't fall asleep in that window when I lay down, I'm up for the rest of the night. And my wife understands that, that if I don't fall asleep in that window, I just get up and I go downstairs and I start studying, praying, or just relaxing. Because I just can't, uh, instead of staying in bed trying to get comfortable, if I miss the window, I'm up for the rest of the night. Joseph, his girlfriend, is pregnant. And it wasn't him that did it. And she's claiming an angel from heaven that God overshadowed her. The child she's carrying is of God. And he is so bothered by the... Now, now in the Jewish culture, when you found yourself engaged, the way they worked it out, the man would go to the father. And he would go to the father and say this, I want to marry your daughter. Is it okay? You would work out a price. The father set the value of the child. That'll preach. You see, why, why do so, mar- so many marriages fail? Because the man has no value. He didn't cost him anything for her. But in those days, the father set the value of the daughter. You want my daughter, you're going to have to pay this amount. Pay 10 cows for a woman, you're not going to get rid of her that fast. I invested 10 cows in you. It's a lot. It's a lot. A lot of money, right? Come on, somebody say amen. And so, what he would do is the the man would then go and he would begin to build the house for his wife, his own her own place. By the time she had no clue when, even though she knew she was going to marry him, she didn't know when. The moment the house was completed. The man would go to the father and say, I'm done with the house. The father would come and he would look at the house and make sure that it was worthy of his daughter. If it was good enough for his daughter, then he would say, okay, let's go. And they would put on all the wedding garments and they would go to pick her up. 
That's why when Jesus says, Behold, I go and prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also, that he is the groom preparing a place for us, his bride. And the bride never knew when the groom was going to show up. She just had to be. So Joseph, the father, would come and check it out, and then they would go with the wedding party and show up to pick up the bride. She had to be ready. We as a church have to be ready for the coming of Christ. But, but Joseph, listen, Joseph went through all of this. He's building the house. He's already invested all these cows, this, the, these cattle and, and goats and everything into this room. He's invested. And now she's pregnant. He could have he, he could have demanded his money back. He could have all the work and the time he spent. Now it's done. And yet in the midst of all this crisis, the Bible said that he slept. You miss that. He slept. There, there, there's a level of faith going on there. That you can rest in the midst of your biggest crises in life. That you could sleep in the midst of the challenges that you're going through. That you could trust God. That God is still in control even when everything seems out of control. My question to you is can you trust God when it seems like nothing is going your way? The Bible says that he slept. And while he slept, he had a dream. I want you to understand something that he loved. That, that his ability to trust God in the biggest crisis of his life. You see, he's going through a difficult season, a season of change. We all go through it while you're changing jobs, relationships, careers as you're changing, your education, your family, as you're trying to figure out whether I get married, whether to start the relationship, end the relationship. We are all in seasons of change because seasons are part of life. Now, as that change is taking place, he finds himself in this situation. And Seasons are based on the position of the earth to the sun. When, when the earth is closest to the sun, it's summertime. When it's farthest away, it's winter. So the position of the sun in relationship to the earth determines the season that we're in. Likewise, spiritually. Your position to the son of God determines what season you're in. See, do you realize you don't have to go through a winter season in your walk with God? If you stay close to him, you can be in a perpetual springtime. So remember, when you ever wonder God, when you feel so far away from God, it's not God that moved. Like the sun is central, it stays in one place. We're the ones that are the ones that pull away. And we, what, what happens, what's a trip is this. I've seen so many people over the years that, that they get hurt at a church, they get hurt by a ministry, they get hurt by a person or whatever. And so all of a sudden, because they were so close to God at that time and they end up getting hurt, they pull themselves into a perpetual winter season of life where I'm just trying to heal, I'm trying to get right, I'm trying to get put back together again. But they never make it back to God because of the hurt that they went through from someone else. You never get back to the 
closeness to God. Never allow what a spiritual leader does to keep you from your relationship with God. Including this man. Because we'll let you down. We're going to hurt you. There's going to be times you're going to be messed up. But you cannot allow yourself to live in winter when God called you to a time of harvest in your life. You see... Joseph had the ability, I got, I got to move on, I got to really push this. Jo- Joseph moved on, and in his ability to rest, God gives him a dream. You see, it's hard to hear from God when you're always worried. When your voice is the voice in your ear, you don't have time to hear the voice of God speaking to you. And so many times we're so overwhelmed by what we're going through, we don't hear from God. But Joseph had the ability to rest. Everyone say rest. He had the ability to sleep. You see, rest is a weapon. Learning to rest. Why you take a look every? You're going to spend at least anywhere from four to eight hours a night sleeping, because your body needs rest. It recharges you. It prepares you. And learning to rest is vital in order to making sound decisions in the storms of life. Joseph rests and he hears from God. Let me, let me take you through, through this. And if you've been in Bible college with me at any time, you've seen this, this before. And I found out in my own life, and we all, we all have these emotional roller coasters that we go through. All of us go through these things. And some of your lives would make a great ride at Disneyland. Because one moment you're high and the next moment you're low. You just never know, upside down, all over the place. Because your emotions are all over. You got emotional highs and you got emotional lows. And that line represents your emotions, where you're at, how you look at things and what you're going through. And there's times that we're on our way up. And when we're on our way up, things feel great. You're happy. Things are going good. The outlook is great. And then you reach the very pinnacle of your, of your happy times and you find yourself coming down like a roller coaster on the other side. Your stomach feels funny. You get that queasiness. You're a little scared and you start coming all the way down and then you hit the bottom and after we hit the bottom then we start our way back up again how many know what I'm talking about when I was in college I realized I was going through these seasons and I found that that first block that first section right there the up and down that one cycle that was usually about a month of my life I would usually have three weeks where things were good and I had one week where I could feel myself on my way down. I could feel myself, uh, my, my, my emotions were changing. You know, the women have that time of the month. I was just going through an emotional, my own personal time that I was going, I just recognized it. I was, I was going through a time, but I recognized it was, it was biological. I was going through my own emotions. People would irritate me, things, things that I could normally handle. When I was on the downside, I found myself making bad decisions, bad choices. So what I focused in on was taking that downtime and trying to shrink it. To make my good time from three weeks, turn it into four weeks. Turn it into five weeks. Turn it into six weeks. Take my down week and turn it into six days, five days, four days, three days, two days, one day to a couple hours. What am I talking about? Because bad times are a choice, not an experience. When I drop off my girls at school when they were babies, I always ask them this, what are you going to have today? What are you going to have? Great. 
Great day. No, no. What are you going to have? Great day. What are you going to have? Great day. What are you going to have? A great day. Okay, now you can get out of the car. I wouldn't let them out. You ask my daughters to this day. They weren't allowed to get it out of the car until they made a declaration it was going to be a great day. Because great days are not on accident. They don't happen by chance. They happen by choice. Come on, say it again, Pastor. Great days, great lives are not, they don't happen by, by chance. They happen by choice. You make a choice to have a great day. So when you find yourself in that time, never make a permanent decision based on a temporary circumstance. And many times in our lives, we leave marriages, we leave churches, we quit ministries, we quit relationships, we quit our job, we quit our education when we are on the downside of our emotional roller coaster. Never make those choices when you're coming down. That's why you pray yourself through those situations. Pray through those times so that when you're coming back up again, now you can make a better choice. Now, you still may make the right same decision, but at least you're making it at the right time. Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, worship team, if you would help me, in verse 28, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You need rest this morning. See, rest is so important. Rest means to rest, to stop, to refresh, a place of rest, referring to the Old Testament Sabbath. Now, let, let me close with this this morning as, as we bring this all to a close. The Sabbath was created by God for people, for man. The children of Israel come out of Egypt. What were they when, when they were in Egypt? Slaves. Slaves don't have a day off. And so this was a radical thought on God's part to tell these people that were slaves, take a day off. Take a day off. Recharge yourself. Recognize. See, as a slave, you didn't have a day off. If you didn't work, you didn't eat. You had to go gather. You had to do things. But God created the Sabbath for these slaves to remind them, I'm going to take care of you, that I'll protect you, I'll provide for you, that if you trust me, you got people that are so busy that they don't even give God his day anymore. Come on. Amen. We can't stop and pause and say, God, this belongs to you. See, God was trying to let us know that rest is an act of worship. That when you stop and say, God, I trust you that you're going to provide for me. That, God, you have the ability. Psalms 23, verse 1 and 2 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pasture and leads me beside still waters. I need you to understand, even God rested on the seventh day. Amen. So what, you're better than God? If God took a day off, how much more do you need to take a day off? A day off to recharge. A day off to rebuild. Well, I, I need you to understand, though, capture this for, for some of y'all lazy people out there. Because you always have to preface this. But pastor said I'm supposed to rest. In Genesis t- chapter 2, God says I rested on the seventh day. But before it says rested, it said he finished. He completed his job. His task. If it ain't done yet, 
It ain't time to rest yet. You only rest after you finished. God finished, then he rested. And I need you to understand something, that in rest you open your ears to hear God. And what's so powerful about this is in a time of crisis in Joseph's life, he has three dreams in this short time period. The first dream tells him, take her as your wife, instructional, take her. The second one was a dream of protection. Leave here. Because Herod's about to kill the babies. You need to get out of here. Take your family. The problem, one of the reasons why families are falling apart is we have men that are not hearing God to lead and to guide their families when danger's coming. We need men that can hear God. We need men that can hear the voice of God, that can hear the dreams of God in order to lead your family. Things are falling apart because we got men that don't have the ability to hear God. I don't want Satan getting into my family without me hearing what God's telling us to do. Mom, if you're not married and you're, you're, the, you're the spiritual leader, then you need to rest. I know, I know you're concerned about your family. I know you're concerned about your kids. But there comes a time where you got to stop worrying and start worshiping. And trusting God. So gives them instruction. Take her. Protection. Leave here. Then direction. Come back from there. God wants to give you direction. He wants to speak to your life. But when your head is and your ears are filled with your own echoes, we end up missing out on what God's trying to say. It's time to dream again. But you can't dream when there's no rest. Dream of a better you, better life, better future, better purpose, new business, new education, new relation. God, God wants to do something new in you. But if you can't hear what God's saying because you're so overwhelmed by your current crisis, I want to encourage you today, rest. Trust God. I got to work this thing out. Trust God. I, I got to make this thing happen. Trust God. Take time for God. Rest doesn't mean you, do, you don't just do anything. On the rest was part of worship. It was a time of worship. It was putting God first, making God first in your life, that you would put God as a priority. I commend every one of you that's here right now. Sunday is the first day of the week, and you are giving your first fruits of your time to God by showing up to church on a Sunday morning. You're telling God, God, I'm going to give you my best today so that you'll bless the rest. I need you to understand today. Learn to trust God. Bow your heads with me right now. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.